Thank you for tuning into this webinar, 10 Steps to Prepare Your Business for Sale. This webinar is hosted by AGH University and presented by AGH. AGH's team of corporate finance professionals works with business owners planning for business transitions or transactions, such as sale or acquisition of a business, family business transfers, or seeking new or additional financing through the capital markets. Today's speaker is Todd Richardson. Todd leads AGH's M&A and corporate finance services team. He works with family-owned and closely held entrepreneurial businesses, which are developing exit strategies and undergoing ownership transitions. His practice includes advising on ownership transitions, including management-led buyouts, transfers of ownership to the next family generation, sales of business operations to third parties, sales to employee stock ownership plans, and other exit strategies. In addition, Todd also provides buy-side advice to those who are actively acquiring businesses or seeking finance for organic growth. You may have made the decision to sell your business to a third party. To maximize the value of your business, you'll need to prepare well in advance. Today's webinar outlines 10 steps any business owner needs to think through and take action on to prepare for a sale and maximize their value. Thank you, Mike, and welcome, everyone. I appreciate your attendance today. The decision to sell your business is a difficult one. I work with many private, family-owned, small businesses which are facing the very decision. Whether you're looking to sell now or in the next few years, there's things that you can do today which will benefit you in preparing your business for the sale. The objectives of today's webinar, the first objective is to identify questions that you need to have answers to throughout that sale process. The second is to identify factors that can make a business more or less valuable to a buyer. Without a doubt, the question that I receive most often from clients that are interested in selling their business is, how do I maximize the value of my business <clears throat> to a third-party buyer? In short, my answer to them is by being prepared. During the, next, during the course of the next 40, 45 minutes, I'm going to share with you 10 steps that you can take to help prepare your business for a sale. The first of these steps is to play keep away from the government. What I mean by, by saying play keep away from the government is that I want you to ask yourself, do you have the most tax efficient strategy and business structure in place? Putting the right tax efficient strategy in place can take time. So I don't want you to procrastinate about it. These are things that if you're, for instance, if you're a C corporation, your tax strategy is different or your tax implications of a sale are different than if you're an S corporation or an LLC. A C corporation opens you up to tax at the corporate level as well as tax at the personal level. Maybe you're an S corporation. Maybe you formed the company as an S corporation or you recently converted from a C corp to an S-Corp. Something you need to be mindful of is the five-year holding period to avoid built-in gains tax on converted S-Corporate, on converted S-Corporations. The longer the time that has elapsed since you made your S-Election, the less exposure you have to double taxation and a recoup from some of those days as a C-Corp. 
is paramount that you check with your tax advisor to see what tax strategy may be best for you and your business. AGH has a wealth of experience in this regard, working with small private companies here in the Wichita area and around the state and multi-state area, and that we have a host of tax professionals uh, willing and able to assist you in this process. Today, there's gonna to be four poll questions throughout today's webinar uh, that we would love you for you to participate in. The first of these uh, poll questions is, why are you attending the webinar today? We'd like to know. Is it to learn more about the process of selling a business? Is you're considering selling a business? Are you involved currently in selling your business? Are you considering buying a business or you're just here for some CPE about how the process works? And it looks like 80% of you have responded that it's to learn more about the process of selling a business. Very good, thank you so much for responding today. The second step that you can take to prepare your business for a sale is to make your business marketable. And the first thing that you can do to aid in the marketing of your business is to answer the question, why are you selling? So it sounds like a simple question. It's the first question that a prospective buyer asks you about the business when you're contemplating a sale. It sets the tone for the entire transaction. You need to provide a compelling reason as to why you're selling. If you, you need to put a genuine response forward to the question. Genuine responses can be, hey, I'm, I'm ready to retire. Second could be that maybe you've got some health concerns. Third is that you're fatigued with the business. Maybe you're someone who has multifaceted business endeavors that you create a business, you grow it, and then you sell it and you go off and do something else. All those are valid responses. Uh, in a recent consultation I had with a client, I asked him the very question, why are you selling? And to, to my amazement, he said that the reason he was selling is that he's not doing what he loves anymore. He started off marketing the business in working with customers, in marketing, in helping sell and grow the business. But then it evolved as the business growed into more of an administrative capacity as he became not just founder and president, he became CEO of this, of the company that he created and it got to such a proportion that he was spending more of his efforts in back office administrative than what he truly loved to do, which was being out amongst the customers. A second marketing tool that you can use to help sell your business is to create a story about your business. Create a compelling narrative of what the growth and profit of the business has been. You know, how many consecutive years of growth have you had? When I bought the company or when I started the company, it was this, and now it is this. Why is your product superior to others on the market? When you're creating a story, it's not the time to be modest. It's the time to brag. You know, it's time to tell the story of your business. You want to create a mouth-watering appetite in the, 
for the buyer to go ahead and pursue the transaction, to look at the possibilities that the business offers. Another way to improve the marketing of the business is to identify barriers to entry. In the business, this is referred to as building a moat. When you think of medieval days of castles and a big moat around the castle to protect it against intruders, that's what you're doing with your business. Identify the barriers to entry. What are some of those barriers? Is it Maybe you have some proprietary patents, products, formulas, trademarks. Perhaps it's a highly engineered product that you have which leads to these kinds of protections. Also, it could be industry connections. Relationships lead to sales, which lead to earnings. Maybe they don't know, the buyer doesn't know who you know. Maybe that's a preclusion for him getting into the industry and into the business. Capital investment. How extensive the capital investment is required to get into the industry? And is it recurring? You're talking then about the cash availability needs of, of what a buyer would have to have to be able to enter into the business that you're in. Also logistics, highlight any geographical advantages you have. Here in Wichita, we're, clear, we're closest to one of the new most, most new intermodal facilities there is in the Midwest. This is rail and ground transport for shipping across the United States from a central location. Maybe that's one of your logistic advantages. Before I move off, I want to go back and visit the patents and, and trademarks question again. You're in the process of selling your business. There's a difference between having those patents perfected and having a patent pending. Because patents perfected indicate you already have it in place. It's not waiting for approval. Do what you can as you're in the process of selling your business to move those along as fast as you can, get your patent submitted to where you can get approval before a transaction uh, can occur. Often overlooked, but something that has a great impact on the value of the business that you're trying to sell is do you have a management succession in place? Who replaces you? How can knowledge be transferred from your business and your company to the buyer? There's two types of knowledge. There's explicit and there's tacit. Explicit knowledge is something you can write down. You can easily transfer through memos, through policies and procedures. For tacit knowledge is, I have to show you how it's done. You need to make yourself replaceable. Groom a successor and a young management team to take over once you step out of the business. Many businesses do this before they're ready to sell to where that season, that, that management team can become a little more well-seasoned. Some of the things to consider when you're putting this in place is golden handcuff arrangements for that management group. You know, as part of a golden 
handcuff agreement, which is an incentive compensation agreement, a retention agreement, however you want to denote it, is to get them to sign non-compete agreements. Now you've locked down the knowledge of the business. You've created a incentive for management to stick around through a transition period into the next buyer period and preserve the value of the business. What you're after here is to create comfort with the buyer that the business will go on and the legacy knowledge that is in the business will remain intact after the sale. Another way to improve the marketability of business is to identify industry and business opportunities. Buyers aren't just buying the business as it is today. They're looking for what the business can become in the future. Help provide the vision for the buyer by identifying industry and business opportunities. I'll give you an example. Business opportunity may be that, hey, I've got a great product and I've got a great local to my a local regional network. But if I had access to a global distribution network through the buyer or through his sales force or maybe additional product applications beyond what was currently being used for my product, those are opportunities that you're creating a vision uh, for the buyer as to how your business can be used going forward. It's okay to cast them as not having been pursued for different reasons. If you started the business and it's 40 years later and you're now looking at selling the business and you see these opportunities, it's okay to say, hey, I haven't pursued them because that next stage of growth, I'm just not prepared to do right now. Uh, I'm fatigued with the business. I want to sell the business and pass that opportunity on to the next buyer. If you're open to maintaining an involvement in the business and a minority ownership interest going forward, that's a great situation for a buyer because you're telling him you still have skin in the game. It also sets you up for a second payday. I mean, if you're selling 85% of the business and you're keeping 15% ownership interest and the new buyer takes this and puts it on another platform and the business grows and the value of the business is more than what he paid for it, your ownership interest is worth more. So you set yourself up by also reducing what your daily responsibilities are in the business. You can create a narrative that your continued involvement with the business will allow pursuit of the opportunities that you identified because you can help transfer the industry connections, make those connections for him, and transfer that knowledge on to the next people. I want you to ask yourself, what's your reason for selling? Again, this is a fairly simple question, but it comes up time and again. In the buyer's mind, if he ever has a question as to why you're selling, that it denotes uncertainty in his mind, and he's looking and saying, okay, what is it that the seller's not telling me? Is there something about the business? Is the business on a decline? What is it that he's not telling me? A compelling reason puts all that to rest.
The next step that you can take to prepare your business for a sale is what I call dressing up your business, having your house in order. The most important thing that you can do to dress up your business is to consider having an audit. An audit is prepared in accordance with generally accepted accounting principles and provides a level of certainty as to the information provided. A lot of small family-owned businesses don't have audited financials. They generally are not required to have them. Maybe if they're part of a highly regulated, gov highly regulated industry, a government may require them to have an audit, or a key supplier may require them to have an audit, or maybe the lender. They are an incredibly powerful tool in helping to consummate a sales transaction in that they can eliminate, help eliminate the uncertainty as to what is in the financial statements and the quality and the accuracy of the information that you're providing. They can also help flush out issues that may come up that you didn't realize that, hey, I didn't have that in my financials or, oh, that's an exposure I haven't recorded. Are all your assets captured? Are all the liabilities and related expenses captured? If you're a manufacturing business and you're, market, and you're selling your product and you're putting it out into the market, what's your warranty on that? Do you have a warranty claim? Do you, have a, do you have a warranty accrual on your financial statements? An audit can also have a secondary benefit in that it can shorten the due diligence process and reduce the time because you're eliminating uncertainty to the buyer. Most due diligence terms will take 90 days to complete a due diligence. The buyer will take 90 days and another 30 days, 30 days beyond that to close the transaction. The general rule is the more effort the buyer has to expend in due diligence, the less likely a transaction has of being complemented, uh, of has of being completed. Also, the longer the process takes, the more vulnerable you are to a host of different things, including buyer reconsideration and repricing. So you get into the transaction, you get into the due diligence period, and that something pops up that wasn't known before, that would have been disclosed and captured in an audited financial statement, that, okay, well, that changes things. Maybe the buyer says, now I've got more risk here. I can't afford to pay what I was going to pay you and, and assume that risk. So I'm going to lower the price. It also brings about the possibility of compromises through non-disclosure agreements. The longer your information is out on the market, the more apt you are to having somebody in that business or that, at that buyer group talking to somebody else who talks to somebody else and information gets out about your business. Also, you, have, you become susceptible to your employees finding out. 
in most sale transactions that I've seen and been a part of, the seller waits until close to the time of sale of the transaction to share information with his employees. The longer the due diligence period takes, the longer the transaction takes, the more susceptible you are to having some of your employees find out. If the prospective buyer is an industry buyer, maybe he's a competitor of yours in that Maybe he's a local competitor of yours and that your employees are out and about and they're in common in contact with some of these other competitors just through normal means. Maybe something gets said. You know, all good reasons for having that due diligence period be as short as you can make it. It preserves the capability and in the accuracy in the privacy of your information. Another reason for an audit is that it can help in negotiations with buyers. Most every most every seller that I that I come across, their number one priority is to get 100% cash of the sale at closing. And by and large, that's that's a that's a tall order to receive. It's a it's a tough order to receive that an audit allows you to help mitigate any purchase price escrow requirements in the sense that, hey, all the information, there isn't as much uncertainty out there about your business. So you can negotiate a better percentage, a higher percentage of cash at closing. You can also negotiate more favorable escrow arrangements that maybe the buyer was proposing a a one-year escrow period for 10% of the 10% of the proceeds. Maybe you can reduce that in half and reduce that percentage. Being that I provided you audited financials, you have a degree of certainty as to what you're receiving. That this can allow you to negotiate more favorable terms. It strengthens your position in negotiating that due diligence doesn't need to go on forever. We can, we can shorten that timeline from 90 days due diligence to 60 or 45 and get on to the closing process. AGH can assist in helping with this in the sense that we can provide a pricing analysis. A pricing analysis is a market perspective on the value of your business based on general metrics. We have accomplished and certified business valuation personnel that have helped several small businesses and that can assist in doing a pricing analysis for you. We can also provide sell-side due diligence assistance, IT assessment services, cybersecurity, penetration testing, are your systems secure, HR compliance reviews, are you in compliance with Department of Labor regulations? Fair Labor Standards, OSHA regulations, and state and local tax assessments for Nexus. Often overlooked if you're a if you're a multi-unit business that operates in multiple states. Do you know what constitutes Nexus? It can be different by state. 
and that has changed a lot with the with the advent of internet sales as a large part of the consumer purchases that what establishes nexus in an individual state in some states it could be just the attendance of a trade show others it needs to be a sufficient physical presence of hey i have you have to have a location you have to have brick and mortar you need to understand what your state the states that you do business in what their requirements are make sure you're in compliance Once you to ask yourself, are you capturing all the company's value in your financial statements? Is everything that's valued captured on your balance sheet? Conversely, if you have liabilities, do you, are your incentive compensation plans captured on your, on your balance sheet? Deferred compensation plans as well. Warranty claims we talked about. Make sure all the comp all this information is captured in your comprehensive audited financials. Fourth step you can take to help your business prepare for a sale is to evaluate the business from a larger perspective. Prospective buyers are always interested in identifying any seasonality, any trends which go on in the business. And they're going to request 12-month trailing comparisons, maybe even 24, 36 months in some case. It's imperative that you know what's in your data. Do you know what trends are in your business? What the seasonality of your business is? I mean, the buyer's looking at it from a standpoint of, hey, I'm trying to understand what are my working capital requirements in, the, in this business I'm contemplating buying. Is there, a, is there a lull period? Is there a summer lull? How am I going to finance operations during that period in which sales aren't strong enough to create the cash flow to meet operating expenses? Is there a repeatable cycle or trend? Now, know what your data is telling the buyer. Another, another thing you can do is to perform benchmark comparisons. If your business is a member of a trade association, this data should be available to you. You want to identify unfavorable benchmark comparisons and create a strategy to improve them. Likewise, you want to highlight favorable comparisons to benchmarks because favorable comparisons can yield you an additional price premium out in the market. If you've got somebody that's looking at, hey, I'm trying to increase the size of my business, that I'm at a $10 million business and I understand that I'm being constrained because maybe certain customers, I don't have the capabilities to, to reach because I don't have the, the capacity to produce. Hey, I need to get to a $30, $40 million size business to be able to attract that business to make the next step. And they're looking at consolidating and they're out there searching for multiple businesses which are competitors of their competitors of them to consolidate to make that growth plan work. You want to create a favorable comparison to those. You know, highlight your highlight the things that you do well. What your what your favorable benchmarks are to the industry. Set yourself apart. 
make that buyer want to pursue you as opposed to someone else. Lastly, you can identify and construct a narrative regarding concentration of top customers and buyers. How much of the business is concentrated in, in, in a few customers? And what's your exposure to them if a, if a loss happens? You need to know this because the buyer is going to ask for this information, and you need to construct a narrative around it. In simple terms, do you know what's in your data? What is your data saying about your business, and what's it telling the buyer? The fifth to 10 steps you can take to prepare your business for a sale is to eliminate any assets from your balance sheet which are unrelated to your business. Now you may ask yourself, well, what does he mean by this? Many small businesses forego setting up separate entities for their, business, for their various business endeavors and account for everything in one set of accounting records. Countless times we see personal vehicles, boats, aircraft, investment, real estate on the balance sheet of the, of the owner's principal business that's being sold. The presence of these items on the balance sheet creates an opportunity for miscommunication and a misunderstanding as to what assets are included in the sale. My advice to you is to try to keep things clean. If you have assets that are unrelated to the business on your financials, move them out to a separate entity. Make sure that you keep what is yours and that you don't transfer assets that are not intended to be a part of the sale. Again, I want you to ask yourself, is there anything on your balance sheet that's not, that's not a part of the sale? This leads us into the second of today's four polling questions. Again, to receive CPE credit for today's webinar, please respond to three of today's polling questions. Polling question number two, if you're considering selling a business, when would you sell? We'd like to know, are you not sure yet? Are you looking to sell in a year, within five years, 10 years or more? or you're just trying to receive some information on how the process works. Okay, it seems like most people today are trying to get information about the sale process, followed, followed by 25%, which say they're looking to sell within a year. So thank you very much for the responses. The sixth step you can take to prepare your business for a sale is capture non-transaction benefits in advance. Most business sale transactions are cash-free, debt-free transactions. What this means is that you keep the cash, you also keep the long-term debt. The buyer's bringing his own financing to, to the transaction and purchasing the business based upon the earnings stream. As a result, 
he's not he may not adequately compensate you for excess or unused assets. One of the ways that you can capture non-transaction benefits is to convert excess assets to cash. One of the first notable items is aggressively collect any excess or past due AR. Buyers generally going to have a working capital requirement where a calculation is a part of a transaction and which is going to say, I need the buyer I need the seller to provide working capital of X at the date of sale. And he's going to exclude from that calculation any AR you have that may be over 90 days or 120 days, whatever your industry standards seem to be. But he's viewing that as not, not collectible. Okay, if you've got stuff which is 90 days or 120 days on your books, chances are you're not doing much business with those customers anymore. If they're not paying you, you're probably not going to continue to sell to them. In that case, contact them. Offer them discounts. Negotiate something to where you can get some uh, collection on those amounts. I mean, uh, that's cash to you that you can use to help pay down the debt. I mean, keep in mind, you're getting the cash of the business. When the sale's done, you're keeping the cash. And you're keeping the long-term debt. Anything you can do to increase your cash balances makes available additional resources to pay off that long-term debt, which is also yours. Another non-transaction benefit you can capture is by identifying obsolete or slow-moving inventory. Maybe you've gotten the process of where you got ahead of the game a little bit. You you produced extra parts for something which has somewhat become obsolete. That, yeah, they're in demand, they're just not in very much demand, and you don't sell very many of them. Well, you know who your last last people you sold it to was? The last five, ten customers you just sold it to? Approach them about buying what you have in stock at a discount. I mean, I, I'd obsolete or slow moving inventory, again, the buyer's not going to compensate you for it. He's going to look through your inventory records and anything that hasn't generated a turn of, of X, I'm not going to pay you for, I'm not going to consider in the value of the working capital that you're providing me. Also identify idle assets. Maybe there's equipment that you have that's been replaced by newer equipment that you still have old iron sides setting off to the side in, in your in your manufacturing facility over in the, in the corner of your plant that is a backup to the backup, hey, maybe there's still an alternative use for that out in the market. The buyer may not compensate you for it, so take advantage of the opportunity to sell that uh, to a competitor or to another industry or or somehow to uh, out into the market to realize some cash to again help you pay off the debt of the, the debt of the business. I caution here to be prudent about your resources going forward. You know, evaluate the need to expend cash to purchase new capital equipment just before a sale. 
the reason is that you might not recover that in the sales price. If you're investing in that new piece of equipment, you say, I've got to go ahead and make this investment, and it is for a new incremental revenue stream that is going to take your projections from X to Y, okay, that may be a very valuable investment to make and one that you want to go ahead to do as long as you can present to the buyer, hey, here's the projected revenue stream off of this investment. You'll be able to recover your money and then some by making that investment and having that in place. But something for you to be careful about and think about if, as you're leading up to a sale about how you're spending your CapEx dollars and are you getting the most bang for your buck. Leads to the question, what are you doing to maximize your cash resources? Are you doing everything that you can? Have you moved out that obsolete inventory? Do you have excess past due AR? These are things that could yield additional additional cash to you for this, uh, in the sale process. Seven steps you can take is by making your business portable. Now, what do I mean? I want you to take a look and review your debt financing arrangements. Is your debt assignable? Buyers most likely have their own financing in place, and in a debt-free transfer, you're going to be required to satisfy the debt out of, the, out of your sales proceeds. If you're currently negotiating a new loan or a loan renewal, and your time horizon for a sale is sooner than when that loan will mature, you may want to consider negotiating a no prepayment penalty or a burn down in those prepayment penalties on that on that on that debt. Is that the prepayment penalty is a transaction cost which is yours. So you've sold the business and if there's a prepayment and penalty in place, not only do you have to pay off the debt, you also have to pay a percentage of that outstanding debt and a penalty to the bank for paying it off early. So do the best you can to synchronize when your sale, what, what the time horizon is for your sale and what the terms of your debt, debt financing arrangements are. <clears throat> you also might want to consider having an exclusion built in for a change of control. That, hey, if you sell your business to a third party, it's a wave. You, you get a waiver of, the, of any type of prepayment penalties. Another thing you can do to make your business portable is to review your vendor and customer contracts and lease agreements. Are they cancelable or assignable? If they're assignable, do they consider do they contain a clause that consent is not to be unreasonably withheld? That the lessor or the vendor can't unreasonably withhold the consent to assign the contract to the buyer. Again, what you're trying to do is smooth the transition from you to the buyer. The more seamless that transition is, the less stress the transaction creates, the more apt it is to close. 
Another item you can take to make your business portable, and one that I can't stress hard, uh, strongly enough, is you should proactively address any EPA concerns that you may have. If you own real estate and it's included in the sale, has a phase one assessment been performed? And when was the last phase one performed on the site? Is it up to date? What was the previous history of the site? Was it a gas station? Does it have underground storage tanks? Did it have those tanks removed? These are all items that a buyer wants to know because it's an incredible liability to them. They'd like to know what the, what the history of the property is. And it's a seller transaction cost. It'll be a requirement of any purchase contract, any type of buyer transaction, and it's not a split cost, it's a cost of the seller. If you haven't had an EPA phase one performed, we encourage you to do so. Something that you can do within that, when you're contracting that service is, is to include an assignment of the phase one results of that report to a third party, include a one-time assignment in it to where it can be assigned to the buyer. This is gonna avoid a duplicate transaction cost if the process takes two, three years before you actually uh, execute a sale. If you have it done today, and that it's two years down the road when you do a sale, and you have an assignment of that report built into it, it can help eliminate any type of duplicate costs which may occur at that time. Another item to make your business portable is to identify upcoming events, identify any backup measures you have in place. If you're a union shop, What's your, case, what's your plan in case there's a work stoppage? When does your labor agreement come uh, uh, mature? When does it, uh, what's the maturity date on it? How soon is a new buyer going to have to deal with labor issues? If you're contemplating a sale and are currently in negotiations with um, a, a lessor or a real estate developer for office space, you may want to consider structuring the length of the lease and any renewal options with what your time horizon for the sale is. Also include in their termination provision. You know, oftentimes, uh, many very small private businesses don't, er don't understand what the obligation of a office lease uh, requires is that you're responsible when you sign that office lease for the full amount of the lease payments for the term of that obligation. If you think you're going to sell, you may want to put in there out clauses that the, that the agreement can be terminated. The lease can be terminated in three years or five years at different, at a, at a different, at a different cost or no cost to you. But if something you're contemplating doing it's a cost which is can be excessive if you don't factor then uh, a termination provision into those lease documents. Leads to the question, are you doing everything you can to facilitate a smooth transition from your business, of your business to the buyer? Today's third poll question 
is if you're considering selling your business, what's your biggest concern? Is it maximizing sales price, understanding the process, managing the tax implications of a sale, or other? Okay. Thank you all for voting. That goodness, we have like three three-way tie here between sales price and understanding the process and or other concerns. Uh, thank you very much for the feedback. The eighth step you can take in preparing your business is to showcase your employees. You should highlight the capabilities and longevity of your employees. I mean, it's a, it's a positive to you as they're one of your greatest assets. They are your intellectual capital. Highlight what, what their certifications are. If there's certifications that they have, whether that's professional, whether CPAs, where they've got quality designations, uh, trade designations as far as qualified mechanics, engineers, certifications. Uh, promote these. Highlight these to the buyer. Also, promote the company's culture. In simple terms, what makes people want to stay? Is it the benefits package? Is the competitor pay you provide? Flexible scheduling? What is it? In simple terms, what are you doing to retain your employees? What is it that makes them stay with you? One thing you can do to prepare for a sale is to pass the eye test. This sounds pretty simple, and but really it's something which is often overlooked. You know, what are your offices and your facilities saying about your company and about your business and the way you run it? As a part of any type of transaction here, the buyer is going to swing by and come in and tour your facilities. You want your offices and those facilities to put you in the most favorable light. Clean your offices, perform minor maintenance, you know, replace ceiling tiles, do some minor painting if it's required. If you're in the if you have plants or warehousing uh, warehouses, create wide uncluttered lanes. Organize and label product. If you're in the chemicals business, do you have the uh, uh, data labeling sheets, MDS sheets uh, labeled on your product? Are governmental notices posted? Does it appear that you have an attention to detail and they're setting forth a very efficient model in a business? Summary, what impression do your office and facilities give about your company? And the last of today's steps is to put out the welcome mat. Again, due diligence involves the buyer visiting and touring your facilities. You don't want to let the first impression of your facilities and people sour the deal. I mean, you've worked long and hard to get this transaction in place. Don't let it all go away because of a faulty first impression here. Prepare your staff in advance. You know, and 
people are intuitive on different on different levels. If you're a 70, 75 year old who has built the business from scratch and now you're contemplating selling and you don't have any family members involved in the business and you don't have any heirs to the business, your senior management team is probably asking what's going to happen to the business when when you know or when you are no longer capable of running it. It's not it's not a uh, uh, an item on which they haven't already thought about. You need to advance the communication with them, proactively engage them in discussion about what you're looking at doing with the business. What is the plan? Maybe they're interested in buying the business. But preparing your staff in advance and communicating with them lets them know about what the plans for the business are and eases their concerns and helps you put the best foot forward, which is in everyone's best interest. What signals are your employees sending about your business? In summary today, I can, I can summarize the 10 steps in simple terms. Make time your ally. A sample timeline for a sale could look something like this. It could take a month to research, identify, and evaluate an M&A professional. It could take two months to prepare the marketing materials to promote your business to prospective buyers. It may take five months to, to find those buyers. There's buyers at all different levels, strategic, meaning industry buyers, there's private equity groups who may be interested in buying the business. Negotiate a letter of intent. There's back and forth that goes on. Now, keep in mind, the letter of intent is the document which sets forth the major business deal points of the transaction. You're talking price, closing, escrow requirements, working capital requirements, representations and warranties. Um, what is included in the sale, what's not included in the sale. Due diligence in closing, three months. Remember I said there could be 90 days of due diligence and 30 days to close. That creates a total estimate cycle of 12 months. That could be significantly reduced based upon how, pre how prepared you are to sell the business. In some terms, focus. Focus on your company until a sale occurs. Stuff happens, and it will. There hasn't been a transaction I've been involved in where something didn't pop up, which was unforeseen to the buyer and also to the seller. Don't go to sleep on the business. Keep driving it forward. Run through the finish line. Implementing the items we talked about today, the 10 steps will help go a long ways towards creating a price premium for your business and making that transaction occur. In review, quickly, the, the 10 steps we talked about, do you have the most tax efficient strategy and structure? What's your reason for selling? Is all the value captured in your financial statements? What's your data saying about your company? Is there anything on your balance sheet that's not a part of the sale? If so, you need to remove them. 
Are you maximizing the cash available to you prior to a sale? Understanding what the buyer is paying for and what he's not compensating you for. If he's not compensating you for it, turn it into cash and keep that cash yourself. How easily is your company transition to a buyer? Again, we've said the greatest determining factor, the smoother you can make the transition process, the due diligence process, the shorter you can make that, the more likely a transaction is occurring. That buyer doesn't want to have to work any harder than what he, what, what's needed in the due diligence process. Make it easy. What are you doing to retain your employees? What your offices say about your company? And have you prepared your people to the point to where they understand the signals that they're sending to prospective buyers does not torpedo a deal? That leads us to the last of today's four poll questions. Again, I'll remind you, you need to participate in three of today's polling questions to receive CPE credit for today's webinar. The last poll question is, what phrase best describes helping people buy, sell, and transition businesses? Corporate finance, business brokering, mergers and acquisitions, transaction advising, or something else? Okay, the response is, Business brokering at 40%, transaction advising 30%, M&A 20%, corporate finance 10 I appreciate your response. That's real. That's uh, welcome feedback uh, for us today, and I appreciate your participation. And I'll now turn it back over to Mike for a few housekeeping issues. So, Todd, I had two questions come in. Um, I'll go ahead and ask you the first one. Which of these 10 factors – which of these 10 factors are the most important to focus on if you can't address all 10? Thank you, Mike. I, I think the most important of the 10 is the audited financial statements. Again, they're setting forth and representing the quality and the accuracy of the business and the information that people are relying upon, that the buyer is relying upon for his valuation of the transaction and the go forward projections which he's making. So I would ask I would ask people to cons strongly consider having an audit. You know if they are if they're one year away, two years away, an audited financial statement before you put the company on the market, which flushes out all those issues, uh, whether it's uh, uh, assets or liabilities which aren't recorded, are very important. You don't want those items to come up during a during a transaction as they can be uh, an impediment to getting the, com the transaction completed. All right. And then the second question was, what is the most common mistake you see small to medium-sized businesses make in their sale and how can it be prevented? Initially, I'll, I'll say there's two things that I see. The first and foremost is that they haven't prepared a succession plan you know, the buyer is looking at this, if he's buying your business, he's looking at it and saying, what's going to happen when the owner with the principal steps aside? Is the management team uh, seasoned enough, experienced enough to be able to continue the business on uh, without having any type of business interruption or hiccups? 
in many respects, they don't have management uh, employment agreements with their management team. They haven't addressed a golden handcuffs. They haven't addressed non-compete covenants to protect uh, the business from those uh, from those employees going elsewhere and taking that knowledge elsewhere. Uh, that's the first one. And the second one is that I think they undervalue the need for professional advice. Professional advice in this regards to whether you have the right tax structure, tax strategy in place. Now you can sell, if you don't have the right tax strategy in place and structure, and you sell for the same price, that you could be leaving uh, a lot of significant dollars on the table that you're paying to the government in taxes and reducing the amount of proceeds you're walking away of, away from, uh, from the sale. Uh, it also can help you in the negotiating and the due diligence process. But those are the two things that probably po uh, pop out most, most frequently to me as to why a, um, a small business may have a problem with getting a transaction closed. All right. Thanks, Todd. I don't see any more questions coming in, so I think that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, everybody, for attending, and we hope to see you at a future webinar. Thanks.